You're listening to About 30. This is a podcast exploring what it means to turn 30 years old and all of the highs and lows we experience along the way. My name is Hunter Ringfell, and each episode I'll be hosting one of my friends or family member as we sit down and have a conversation about 30. Welcome to episode six. I wanted to start off the episode by shouting out some organizations that are doing good things. And if you want to donate money to them so they can continue to do good things, that would be great. I'm going to go with Instagram handles. I figure you can find all the websites through that. The first one is at AALDEF. That's the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund. They've been helping out in the legal battles for civil rights for Asian Americans since 1974. The second one is at Asian Mental Health Collective. They help provide mental health support to the Asian American community. And the last one is at Advancing Justice. To Chicago. They organize for racial equity in Chicago, which is where our guest today currently lives, but they also have branches in Atlanta, LA, and DC. So check those out. I'll have the handles posted in the Instagram stories at about30podcast and donate money if you can. But today's episode, we have Tommy Nguyen-Saxi. This episode is special because it is the first uh, virtual episode. Tommy was in Chicago, I was in Des Moines, and we had a conversation about mental health and the pandemic, mental health in general, and how our expectations change for ourselves over time. I do also want to mention that Tommy is a drag performer. You can find him at at lotion.tn. That's lotion spelled like lotion. I might be biased, but he is one of my favorite drag performers. And this is About 30 with Tommy Nguyen-Saxi. Are you are you thirty already? I'm twenty eight. Twenty eight in August. Yeah. So the podcast was almost called Almost Thirty, but that was taken. So we had to go for about uh, thirty. <laughs> I like about thirty because then it's 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 about about thirty. Yeah. It's about thirty. But it's like about thirty. Right. And then I can really interview anybody because you know <laughs> exactly. we're all about thirty. <laughs> about thirty. It's relative. Yeah. So I do want to kind of explain uh, how we met. I have talked to Pat and he was like the first person that I met through YouTube. So all of that's kind of been explained, but I don't know. What do you want to say about it? I Yeah, we we met through Pat. I think a lot of us mm-hmm. through the internet met around um, the YouTubes of that, of uh, auditioning. Yeah. I think most of us auditioned for One Name the Gays. And that, sure. <laughs> I think that's, that's really, yeah, I think you... Me, Chris, Corey, we all auditioned. And that was 2010, 2011. Wait, did there. no? Chris was on a different channel. Yeah, Chris was on a different channel. Chris, Chris Murphy. Was, but it was all we all wanted to be in that gay internet community. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was definitely novel at the time because I think so many of us were in college and just kind of newly coming out. Maybe, maybe that's my story. I feel like that was pretty similar for everyone, though. It's I would yeah. Not only newly coming out because like I was gay for, like out for a while, but it's our it was our first time of being able to like interact with other people who were gay around. Like I was in the middle of Wisconsin, you know what I mean? And so like yeah, I was like the only out person in my school, or that's a that's a understatement, but essentially. And so seeing yeah. a bunch of gay folks online is like I want to be a part of that. Those people enjoy the shit I do, you know? Yeah, that's the thing is I think with you in Wisconsin and really anybody in their home setting it's like you are the gay person in those settings but in this setting online in this community that's like secondary we can all just kind of do something else and the gay thing is like Mm -hmm. just underlying Mm -hmm. it's not the identifier it's crazy but i mean who knew that it would bring people together (laughs) yeah i still have such close friends because of the 
that weird time. And now, I mean, we're making more online friends again 10 years mm-hmm. later. But we but we know how to do it. You know what I mean? Like people are adjusting to like <laughs> yeah. doing this in quarantine. It's like, I do this all the time. Yeah. Like in quarantine yeah. island, I'm like, I've talked to people online. I've met people online and they become my friends. So so for people that don't know, can you explain the quarantine island? Yes. Um, the quarantine island is a, an online reality game, um, a social strategy game based off of Survivor, essentially. But it all happens online. Um, the interactions happen throughout the day on Slack and then challenges and we call them banishments happen on Zoom. And it's 21 days or so, 20 days or so. And it's crazy. And I won. You did. Spoiler did. alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry, if you're going to go watch season four, I won. And there should be a new season coming out. I think this podcast will launch December, January. So around the same time. And that is yeah. at the Quarantine Island, if you want to check it out. I think it's content best consumed live. What do you think? Well, yeah, it's a little challenging to follow along in that there's different platforms because you got to like watch stuff on Instagram and stuff is on YouTube and, and whatnot. It is, it's exciting live. Um, it's not impossible to catch up on. Yeah. But you should have a familiar familiarity with social strategy games and i would say we're all about 30 yeah (laughs) most folks are yeah it's it's a it's a good age range i think youngest was like 22 and then Mm -hmm. we had some in the 40s um and you are i just turned 30 yeah not just uh, i turned 30 in may Yeah, and you actually made a YouTube video. I did, (laughs) and I referenced that I like went back to it because I was like, "What am I going to talk about?" Because I don't. Yeah, I think I'm constantly changing how I feel about being thirty. Well, yeah. So I I thought about this podcast and thought about who I'd want to have on, and then thought about you having on before I even remembered that you made that YouTube video, and then afterwards was like, "Oh my god, (laughs) there is this moment." So can you talk about like where you were at then, how you're feeling now? Yeah, I think. Up until, so that was made in February and I turned 30 in May. So that was like months leading up to. And I will say before then, I was like excited about 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like ready. I was like, okay, 30 is going to be cool. I like, I figured myself out more and like, it's just the next step. You know, it's like, it's just, it's like, there's nothing daunting about 30. Um, but at that moment, I was like, okay, why am I telling myself that I'm okay with turning 30 when I know I'm not? <laughs> It's like, it's like I, I was being real with myself at that moment. I think I was trying to trick myself before then that I was like, yes, I'm so excited about 30 because you're not supposed to be scared of 30. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's a stigma about turning 30 and it's like turning 30 is totally okay and it's totally fine. And I'm sure it is, but I think it's not letting ourselves be upset about turning 30. Yeah, there is. I think it just like you said, there is this kind of society thing of 30s is about being secure and like that's how you like find yourself and maybe you're more secure in your job maybe you're more secure fiscally emotionally a lot of people kind of talk about it as like this great time but for me it's like this huge shift there's so many things in my 20s that I feel like I have to change now for like longevity's sake like my body is changing the foods I feel like I can eat are changing Mm -hmm. the things I can do it's just this shift of I um, was living my life in a way that I didn't really care about what was coming next but now I'm like I need to take care of myself so 
it's like this whole psychological shift. Mm-hmm. And not only that, not only at this moment are you looking forward and how you're going to be able to like sustain yourself. Um, right. It's also a lot of reflection on the past 30 years because that's a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's specifically like turning 20. I don't think we do the same thing because there's just I don't know. I don't know if there's as many lessons to be had, but that I feel like your 20s, there are so many lessons. So when mm-hmm. you're turning 30, yeah, it is like looking back and like, okay, what I learn what worked I feel like I learned more about what didn't work than what did work which is maybe why I'm so anxious about figuring it all out going forward and I feel like there's so much there's so much like of remembering in the 20s like right now I feel like there's so much of like remembering of what it was like in the 20s I irrelevant I don't know where I was going with that scratch that. well it makes me think like in the pandemic right now a lot of us are maybe thinking about things that we could do before we were all um social distancing mm-hmm. so yeah yeah <laughs> maybe I don't know where I'm going with that either. yeah I don't know where that was a weird tangent so you're in Chicago I'm in Chicago how long have you been there um I moved here when I was 25 so okay. I feel like Yes, this is going back to about like what it could have been like, like what it was like in the 20s and where we went wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is yeah. I what uh, I'm, my mind is racing. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm going in like 5 million directions right now. This is going to be a lot of editing for you. I just like want to talk about so much. And I feel like there's going to be so much to talk about. And like, it just keeps going everywhere. Yeah, that's the thing is. And that's why I'm having such a hard time structuring it. Because um, I I started going chronological with my first recording with Diana. And I, I don't think that's the best way to do it. I think starting at 30 and where people are there. And then just kind of going off the tangents. And wherever the tangents yeah. lead us is totally fine. Yeah. Okay, if we want to go back to like talking about the video real quick, I think sure. I think I think the theme, like if you were to give this episode a theme, you know what I mean? I think the yeah. theme is that it's okay to not be okay with turning 30. And I know that's probably like maybe an overarching theme. And mm-hmm. I, a lot of it was, yeah, I'm upset about the things I didn't accomplish before I got to 30. And I'm upset about the things I'm not going to be able to accomplish after I'm 30. But that's okay. Yeah. And it's not bad to be upset about it yeah yeah yeah. i get you because i every in like introducing this idea to people i keep getting the sentiment of like don't worry about it what are you worried about this is fine and it's like i just i i want to like to have my emotions validated i guess Mm -hmm. like i know that it's gonna be okay but i'm feeling like it's not and i just want to explore those feelings rather than like dismiss them i'm a firm believer that it's okay to be sad about it like i don't think we have to be okay with turning 30 and not that there's anything wrong with turning 30 i don't think how everyone thinks 30 is so old especially in the gay community that's a whole other (laughs) story but like 30 is is. ancient but also i think we were i'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist but i think we were led to believe that what success looks like at 30 is not what success is for everyone right so have you figured out what success is for you no but i've also i think that's okay that i don't know what it is but i think what's what i've been exploring a lot right now and what's been more okay with me is is knowing that what i thought success was is not necessarily success 
And that's okay. Like what I thought my personal path was, if we go back to like when I was in high school or what I thought was going to happen, like I did not think I would move to Chicago living on my own, becoming like essentially a pothead cross-dresser. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I did not yes. imagine that life for me as most folks imagine, like a typical, like go- going to college and having an office job. And Is that what you pictured for yourself in high school? I don't know. I think I did. And I think like having like just like a stereo like what you would see on friends you know what i mean like a life like that i don't know how old they are on that show but about 30 uh uh-huh about 30 but that's not realistic for everybody and that is not the reality for everybody and i think a lot of a lot of this time has been me understanding and accepting that yeah and i'm sure i mean i don't really know so maybe this is me asking but in the drag community i'm sure you're working with a lot of people who are figuring out what success is on their own because it's obviously not what maybe they were shown at that age of high school. Mm -hmm. And even then, that's so much because what success looks like to a drag performer is... I don't skewed because of it being on TV as well. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's becoming kind of a mainstream thing. Yeah. But it's like the possibilities are endless, but it's also not the possibility for everybody. And I think that's true in all of life, in all areas. Am I making sense? So... (laughs) I think so. Especially if you're talking about the possibilities being endless. I mean, what you've done or what I've seen you do with it is really incredible. Specifically, most recently with this um, Morning Sunshine. Is that what it's called? (laughs) Um, But first copy. (laughs) By morning show. But first copy? What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, is this bi-weekly or is that just like, there's no structure to Um, it when you have time? So it is a monthly for now. Uh, morning drag show um, because of the pandemic drag has moved to digital and it's essentially folks making music videos now but a lot of it mm-hmm. is oversaturated now that more folks are doing it and it's like what are folks doing with their night I don't know so it became like a VH1 get ready in the morning morning show yeah and it's fun I like being innovative <laughs> yeah I think it's uh, really great the virtual aspect is I mean it's bringing Chicago drag to a lot of people who probably don't get to see it as often Mm-hmm. But then you also get to, yeah, but then you also get to have folks not from Chicago in it. Because yeah, I was going to ask, how many, have there been a lot of queens outside of Chicago? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get in, con- do you just meet through other contacts or? Through internet. Yeah. If you yeah. follow each other on, through the internet, everything's on the internet. Twitter, Instagram. That's going to be the theme of this episode. Honestly, the internet. <laughs> Turning 30 on the internet. Oh my gosh. I mean, that can go in so many different directions. So get this. Um, going back to our YouTube stuff. You remember my dance mm-hmm. every days, right? Yes. Which started? Ten, so which started when I was 20. So it literally, if if you watch oh. every single year, it's every year of my 20s until I turn 30, uh, which is crazy. You did it for 10 years? I did it for 10 years. And so my Holy entire, cow. it's it's really like a diary for myself because I... Yeah. The locations, the songs I choose are express where I was that summer. Mm-hmm. So every year from having an internship internship in Madison to like living in San Francisco for a summer to moving to Chicago to like going through a breakup, it's like all there. And so I can literally revisit and like refeel my 20s. Yeah, it's your online journal. Yeah. But it's not like me writing. It's it's literally just through a playlist and me dancing in different locations. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yes. It's. I mean, that's a great way to do it because then you can kind of have it public without it with it being both this very <laughs> private thing to you, but to everyone else, it's like just this fun public thing. Yeah. I didn't know that you lived in San Francisco for 
How long did you say? Just for a summer. I had an internship out there. How was that? Did you like it? It was good. I liked it a lot. That was a, a really formative moment in my 20s. That was like right after I, I dropped out of college. and But I had one more internship because they didn't know I dropped out. So I was like, great, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> um, and I, I, I was an intern that's at the awesome. university out there. But that's when I was like living in the gay. That's where, mm-hmm. although that's like my first gay encounter. I learned so much about myself very formative are you okay talking about um why you dropped out of college yeah so i the reason i tell everyone is because i kept changing my major and so i didn't have enough credits towards any major which is very true i did change my major many times i went for spanish education and then i was like Mm -hmm. i can't speak spanish um and so i went for social science education and i was like i don't want to teach um and so i went for social science and i went for women and gender studies um but the thing is i wasn't going to class and so i basically flunked out which is crazy because i was so involved in everything like i was an ra i was like a tour guide i was on homecoming committee i was in the like officer in the gsa like i was like involved and i loved that aspect of school but i didn't go to class and that was always a struggle for me i've that was the first time i saw a therapist too and i was as most people are have anxiety and depression which was Mm -hmm. stopping me from getting out of bed and going to class or stopping me from starting essays or like papers or assignments because the thought of doing them stressed me out so much that i just shut down completely and then i just got suspended and didn't go back Do you think a lot of it was just because of the anxiety of trying to figure out what was the right major for you? Is there a lot of pressure there? I think so. I think when I thought I knew what I was going to do as a Spanish teacher, and then I was like, I can't, I can't do this. But also, I think I didn't know what my options were in college. Like now that I'm like about 30, um, I (laughs) have like, I wish I went to school for this or I didn't know that this was an option as a profession or a career. I didn't know that that was something I could do and I didn't create a path to get there. So now I don't know how to do that. Yes. Yeah, fully. I've talked to a few people and this keeps coming up of like, if I could go back to college, I'd do it completely differently. The fact that we give Mm -hmm. 18 years old, 18 year olds, this huge decision on their backs to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their life. It's, it's wild. I big supporter of gap years, man, you got to figure out yourself first. Mm-hmm. I definitely would go back and do something else. My The interests I had, like, everything makes so much sense. Like, I loved making YouTube videos. I loved doing all of that shit. But I didn't realize I could mm-hmm. go to school to learn how to make videos and movies. and Like, they, like I was never yes. taught that that was something I could do. Or even, like, pursuing a career in entertainment. Yeah, there was people who were, like, acting majors and stuff like that. But for some reason, I didn't think that was something I could do. Yeah, where does that even come from? Because it's just, like, a little bit of impossible imposter syndrome maybe or I don't know what it is but you see something that looks so otherworldly but really if you just let yourself dive into it it's probably attainable but for some reason at that time everything seems so just limited to your options yeah like why did I think I had to become a teacher like what what told me that you know what I mean when I was like entertaining people my entire life and like nobody was like you know what you should do try to get on TV something I mean of all the people that we did YouTube videos with you were definitely like the most viral um tend I don't know what the word is the most you had the most tendencies to go viral (laughs) but the thing is and I have this conversation a lot when we talk about it it's my content more than it is me and the content isn't you it is but like 
I don't go viral. My stuff does. Does that make me sound ungrateful? Like, ungrateful? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I know what you mean. Because it's like, um, like the twerking video. It got repurposed, right? Yeah. But it's just like in general, like, I don't, I'm gonna sound really. Really what? I like my stuff has been seen by many people and is always shared a lot. But yeah, people never associate it with me necessarily and come back to me or like, and this, this is maybe the internet creating success like what success means but like i never got a bunch of followers for it or i never got famous for it or i never went viral for it as much as like my videos do you know i was actually thinking about this last night like the difference between pop culture and internet culture and the main thing for me is that pop culture is celebrity by intention and internet culture is like celebrity by accident and it's so many people who end up in memes and gifs who You don't even know their names, but you know their face. Mm -hmm. And if you were to run into them, it's like a whole different thing. Yeah, it's funny. What are you nervous about? Are you asking me the question? Yeah, do you, have you Um, had this conversation in your episodes already? Like, what are you most nervous about? And let's see if it's related, like if I can relate. Not that you're looking for advice. But now that I'm freshly 30. Yes. that Other people have characterized it as freshly 30. Um, what am I nervous about? I am nervous about... I'm starting to get a little nervous about dating. Ugh, you know, I've only been in one semi-serious relationship. <laughs> Are you okay to talk about it? Yeah. I Okay. Ugh, what is semi-serious is, to you? It it was not. It was serious. It was not serious. It was a traumatic experience. I have. Okay, <laughs> this is a good segue into uh, how turning thirty has made me understand. This is uh, this is also going back to like my expectations for my life and what success success looks like. Is like yeah. the life that I anticipated for myself. I probably thought I would have had a significant other at this moment that I could get a mm-hmm. civil union with. Um, Yes. But I think that I've come this. Okay, we're having this recording in a really weird time because I think I'm depressed right now. And so I'm very pessimistic about a lot of things currently, especially about turning 30 in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. I think same. Like extremely pessimistic. And this is kind of what I wanted to get into this episode is that it's okay to be pessimistic right now. And it's okay to be really upset. And I want people to talk about being upset about it because i think going back again we've been lied to to say that we're supposed to be okay yeah i think i've accepted that i am not supposed to date and that's okay and that's in this time or ever in this time i don't see i don't see a future for myself where i have a significant other or a partner and i can't imagine it and I don't know if that's because I've never really done it, but I don't mm-hmm. see it working. And I don't think it's for everyone. I think I've been having the same thoughts because, well, specifically when I go back to Cleveland and I'm hanging out with like Chris and Joe, I have such a support system there that I don't I don't think about dating. But since I've been out here in Des Moines, Iowa and alone, I think about it a lot. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I mean, as long as you have some kind of support system, it might not be as necessary to have a significant other be that support system. It could be anybody. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe because I haven't had a partnership that like wowed me or that felt like this is something I need in my life. And I don't think anybody should ever feel like it's something they need in their life. Like, I'm cool with having my own room. You know what I mean? Like, I'm cool with having this whole bed <laughs> yes. to myself. And when I'm sad... I can, you know, like, sure, I would love to have someone, like, I have three roommates who have their own rooms. And so when I want Mm -hmm. company, 
we can go to another one of our rooms and watch something together and then go back to my own room and go to bed. You know, like, I have, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't crave it anymore because I don't see it as necessary, as as necessary as I used to. Like, yeah, I get sad and alone, but I also don't see myself in a partnership like that. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, <laughs> this might be corny, but there's that Billie Eilish lyric and it says something like, everybody says I need somebody, but aren't I somebody? Right. You just gotta figure out how to be happy with yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the answer. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> and, I, yes. and I think, yeah. And I think turning about 30 is not only learning how to be happy about yourself, but learning who you are and being okay with who you are. Yes. That's what I'm mainly struggling yeah. with is finding who I am because I chased a career for like five, six, seven years and then recently decided that it's not uh, it's not right for me. And so now I am having this like anxiety about do I chase something else and then how do I know if I'm chasing if that if I'm chasing this new thing, how do I know that that's the right thing? Mm-hmm. Am I gonna waste another six, seven years chasing something else that I don't want? Yeah. But the thing is, if you look at life as different sections and different chapters, as opposed Mm -hmm. to like it being a complete story per se, like it's not like you're working towards one thing at the end. It's like, okay, that part of your life is done now. What's these next few years going to be? If you don't anticipate anything being the forever or anything being the end, I think it makes it a little better. Actually, yeah, I haven't heard anyone say it like that. But I do think a lot of my anxiety about the 30s is that I think I need to have my 30s be set up for the rest of my life. But I think you're saying just figure out your 30s for your 30s. And then you figure out your 40s for your 40s and your 50s for your 50s. And mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, it's a step by step situation. You yeah. figure it out as you go. And I think a setting, it doesn't necessarily even have to be in those 10 years and ten- time frame. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what's happening right now into these next few years is going to be just another section of the story. Yeah. What section do you think you're in right now? Um, I'm in the similar section as you are. Um, Um, Because I left a job that I've had for five years. Um, I've worked retail my entire life. And I don't want to do that anymore. And I finally have the opportunity to see what else is out there. However, I think a lot of what I've been thinking about is like... I'm sorry, I'm not making a lot of sense. I'm rambling a lot right now. It's a lot of... Not necessarily what I want to do, but it's what I want. Like, am I just looking for another job now? Like, am I trying to find a new career? Or am I, like, just trying to reestablish myself? Yeah, I get that. I think for me, that's manifesting in the way of, I think I've found a job that I'm going to get into, but it's not about being my, like, dream career. It's more about just having something that is structured and can support me in ways that I can have a work-life balance and focus more on things like this, like making podcasts and doing more creative things that fulfill me more than any job could. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know how to find that. You're still working through it? Because I don't know if... (sighs) I don't think I'm mentally ready to go back to a job and to work again, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm scared I'm using that as an excuse. And I don't know if I'll ever be mentally ready, but that's fair. But I also don't know. I don't know what I want to do for work because I want, I need something to help pay the bills, but Mm -hmm. I also know what I don't want to do for work. And so that's the struggle. It's like, I don't want to work in retail again, but I need to get a job. But because I've worked in retail my whole life and I don't have any retail 
resources or like my resume is not going to allow me to get into another field that easily. It's just going to be really challenging. And that feels like a yeah. block, you know? Yeah. I think I was talking to someone else about this of it's easier to know what you don't want than it is to know what you want. Mm-hmm. And that I think we were talking in the, in the sense of dating. It's hard for me to know if I'm going to find the person because I don't even know what I'm looking for. It's like, I know what I don't want. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot easier to figure out. It'll come when it comes. If it's supposed to be here, it'll be here. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we're in a freaking pandemic. Like, how am I supposed You're to right. find someone right now? Do I want to worry about finding someone right now? It would be nice. Yeah. I mean, it, it, sharing an apartment with someone would be a lot cheaper than having it on my own. But also, I'm doing fine. Yeah. Tommy first virtual episode in the books if you like the episode give us a like rating or review based on whatever platform you're listening on remember to check out tommy's page at lotayon.tn and follow us at about 30 podcast and we'll be here next monday for episode seven bye